0: Welcome to AE News 37. This is going from July 2nd through July 9th. This podcast and all other A&E podcasts are part of Northern Provisions, LLC. This podcast is sponsored by Mission Essential Gear, your one-stop combat shop, home of the Thools, the tactical handbook for unit leaders, available at megearco.com and Amazon as well. Use code A&E2021 for a discount added to your cart. On the mission essential gear website also check out the freelancers that's a media and research collective dedicated to covering modern conflicts with a soft focus on foreign fighters find them on twitter at cbt freelancers instagram at freelancers blog and their website at freelancers conflict wordpress.com please consider supporting us on patreon that is at patreon.com analyze educate or buy us a coffee at co that is ko-fi.com So we'll get started off here with the United Kingdom embattled. Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced his resignation as leader of the Conservative Party on July 7th. Johnson's resignation comes amid multiple scandals that led to mass resignations in his government. This past week, 63 ministers, trade envoys, and parliamentary private secretaries resigned, including Chancellor Rishi Sunak and Health Minister Sajid Javid. Two of those scandals include the lockdown party scandal and the Pinscher affair. During the government imposed lockdowns in 2020, government staff, including Johnson, held multiple parties going against COVID-19 restrictions that they themselves put in place. This outraged many, with some people noting that Tory party members went to parties while everyday people were kept from seeing their loved ones in the hospital or going to funerals. This eventually led to a confidence vote in Johnson's leadership, which he survived. Last month, separately, Tory MP Chris Pincher was suspended after being accused of groping two men at the Carlton Club in London. Pincher admitted to, quote, having been Drunk far too much and having, quote, embarrassed himself and other people. Six new allegations were made last week regarding Pincher's behavior over the past decade. Those, of course, came after this uh, allegation at the Carlton Club. Johnson allegedly joked in 2020 that Pincher was, quote, handsy and, quote, Pincher by name, Pincher by nature. This led some to believe that Johnson was aware of Pinter's conduct and failed to act on it at the time, which caused him outrage. Johnson will remain in his office as the caretaker prime minister until the Conservative Party elections decide a new leader and a new prime minister at some point before September this year. Nine Tory MPs have declared their campaigns for the leadership elections. The most notable among them is former Chancellor Rishi Sunak who has endorsements from 8% of Tory MPs, more than any of the other announced candidates at this time. Moving on to Russia, on the 7th, WNBA player Brittany Griner pleaded guilty in a Moscow court on a drug charge in hopes that her sentence, which could be as long as 10 years in a penal colony, is less severe. The Phoenix Mercury Star was arrested on February 17th by the Federal Security Service, FSB, at the Sheremetyevo International Airport in Moscow, after she supposedly carried vape cartridges filled with cannabis oil in them through the airport. Cannabis is an illegal substance in Russia. However, U.S. officials have feared that Moscow is using Griner as leverage for a future prisoner exchange. These concerns became more serious once Russia invaded Ukraine just one week after Griner's arrest, which led to currently the lowest point of U.S.-Russia relations since the Cold War. Many observers believe that a prisoner exchange could not happen until a judgment in Griner's case was made. Now that she's pleaded guilty, it will be interesting to see if an exchange does, in fact, move forward. Moving on to Sri Lanka, amid a crumbling economic situation and food shortages, protesters massed in the capital, Colombo, and stormed the presidential residence and secretariat of President Gotabaya Rajapaksa. The president fled the area before they arrived, and his whereabouts are currently unknown. Many speculate that he might not even be in the country anymore. Protesters carrying Sri Lankan flags and denouncing the president swam in his pool, used his gym, and showered in his mansion. That is reminiscent of a multi-million dollar house in the Hollywood Hills, which outrages people who can't even afford to feed their families. Deepa Ranawara and her family were among those protesters, and they described the atmosphere as festive, festive. They walked 15 miles to join the crowd. She and her husband opened a corner store two years ago. When the economic crisis hit, they began to struggle to repay the loan for the store and even stock the store's shelves. Now them and their two children are lucky if they even eat two meals a day, saying, quote, we don't even think about fish or meat. President Rajapaksa agreed to resign this upcoming Wednesday to, quote, ensure a peaceful transition of power, end quote, according to his office. Prime Minister Ranil Wikremi Singh has offered to resign as well, but it's not clear if he will do so. His statement came after demonstrators stormed his home and set it on fire. Normally, the prime minister would take over as the interim president if uh, Rajapaksa were to resign. But if the prime minister resigns as well, then Mahinda Yapa Warandina the current Speaker of Parliament, would take over as temporary president. He would have just one month to organize elections in which the winner of that election would serve out the remainder of the two years of raja term it's not clear if anyone will resign at this point or really who is even in charge of the country so that situation will continue to develop in japan on july 7th former japanese prime minister and member of parliament in the diet shinzo abe 67 years old was assassinated while giving a speech at a campaign event in the city of Nara. He was shot twice from behind with a homemade shotgun, once in the heart and once in the neck. The suspect, 41-year-old Tatsuya Yamagami, approached him and shot him from a distance of nine feet. Yamagami was arrested on the scene, and a motive is not known at this time. He's reportedly a former member of the Maritime Self-Defense Force. That's the equivalent of the Navy for Japan. He left the service in 2005. Police say they found multiple explosives and homemade firearms, excuse me, at his home upon search. A quick note, some of the firearms uh, they found, there's photos online. One of them is a five barrel shotgun and another one is a nine barrel shotgun that looks like they're fired electronically. Um, So some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, The investigation into the assassination is, of course, still ongoing. Um, The suspect was captured alive, so he will certainly face trial at some point here soon. Political assassinations and attempts are rare in Japan, but not without precedent. In 2007, Nagasaki Mayor Icho Ito was shot and killed by a senior member of the Yakuza while on a campaign trip more notable killing happened in 1960 when head of Japan's Socialist Party, Inujiro, Asanuma, was fatally stabbed by a 17-year-old man armed with a katana. Abe was the Japanese Prime Minister and President of the Liberal Democratic Party from 2006 to 2007 and 2012 to 2020. He served as a representative in the DIA, that's Japan's House of Representatives, from 1993 until his death. And he was the country's longest serving prime minister. Now we will take a quick break and we will be right back. In the United States, on July 4th, gunshots rang out at a 4th of July party in Highland Park, Illinois. Seven people died and 46 others were injured as a result. One suspect, Robert Eugene Grimo III, was arrested after blending in the crowd and fleeing the scene. Officials say that Grimo dressed as a woman during the mass shooting, which could have helped him initially escape. He also grew out his hair and combed it in a way that would hide his facial tattoos, of which he has multiple. A shooter fired down on the parade from the rooftop of the Ross Cosmetics building with a rifle. He fired a total of 83 shots throughout the incident. He stopped shooting once law enforcement approached the building, at which point he fled. Lake County law enforcement said that he planned to carry out the attack for weeks, and he also planned out another attack in Indiana. The investigation is of course still ongoing cremo had a youtube account in which he posted music videos under the name awake the rapper in his videos he depicts mass shootings and police killings that youtube channel since been deleted law enforcement had interacted with the 21 year old at least two times prior to this incident in april 2019 police responded to a call of an attempted suicide by the suspect In September of the same year, police responded to allegations of Cremo threatening a family member. That family member told police he planned to, quote, kill everyone. During this incident, police confiscated 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword from the suspect. Law enforcement chose not to pursue a restraining order that would have him barred from buying a firearm for six months, four months after the September incident. The state of Illinois approved him for a firearms permit. Primo passed four separate background checks when buying those weapons, despite these two prior incidents. On July 5th, he was charged with seven counts of first-degree murder, and he is expected to face more charges in the coming future. He is being held without bail, and he has a preliminary hearing here scheduled on July 28th. Now, the seven victims. We have Kathy Goldstein, 64. She was shot while running away from the scene with her daughter. She leaves behind her two daughters and her husband. Irina and Kevin McCarthy, they were at the parade with their two-year-old son, Aiden, who was found wandering the area alone. After his parents were killed, he will be cared for by his family members. Stephen Strauss, 88, he leaves behind his two grandsons, with whom he was very close with. Jackie Sondheim, she was a preschool teacher and events coordinator at her local synagogue. Nicolás Toledo, he was visiting his family from Mexico when the shooting happened. He leaves behind eight children and an unspecified number of grandchildren. Six of his eight children live here in the U.S., and one of them was injured during the shooting as well. And Eduardo Uvaldo, 69 years old, he passed away in the hospital on Wednesday morning. He leaves behind his wife, four daughters, and a grandson. Moving on, on July 5th, a report released by Reuters detailed the transit of more than 5 million barrels of U.S. oil that was exported to Europe and Asia last month. The report caused an uproar due to the fact that the 5 million barrels were from the U.S. Strategic Oil Reserve as part of an emergency release ordered by U.S. President Joe Biden. This emergency release, of course, was ordered due to the economic hardship felt by millions of Americans as the country has been dealing with record high gas prices for months at this point. Many are wondering why these barrels have been sent to overseas markets when President Biden has touted this release from the Reserve as a step to reduce the costs at the gas pump here at home. Biden has been facing criticism over gas prices really ever since he took office, but especially since the start of 2022. His administration has attempted to deflect the criticism onto Russian President Vladimir Putin, calling the record gas prices the, quote, Putin price hike. While prices have risen since the Russian invasion of Ukraine in late February, the fact of the matter is gas prices had still surpassed the previous record before the invasion. The average price for a gallon of gas on January 18th, 2021, that is two days before Biden took office, was $2.46. On January 17th, the next year, 2022, the average price was $3.40. As of July 4th, the average price is $4.88. Personally, I live in California, so I'm lucky if I pay less than $6 a gallon here. It's pretty ridiculous. But uh, we'll move on to a couple questions. This is from Jacob. Talk about improvised firearms. There's been a lot in Myanmar and the Philippines. And now what we've seen with the assassination of uh, Shinzo Abe. Yeah, so improvised firearms uh, are really always going to be a thing. They're particularly a thing in countries where you have very strict um, strict gun laws, but high levels of violence, I guess. Um Maybe Japan is an exception to that because their uh, murder rate is very low compared to um, really many, many other nations um, across the world. They have a very low murder rate and they have a very low um, incident rate involving firearms. That's because uh, of course their firearms laws are very, very restrictive in the country, but, um, as we've seen here, this gentleman that killed the, uh, former prime minister had at least three homemade firearms himself. So I don't, I think a lot of people figured that homemade firearms weren't, uh, really a thing in Japan, but, um, yeah, I think this has changed a lot of people's minds. Um, and like Jacob said, of course, our big thing in Myanmar, um, right now with, uh, what i would call is civil war that's going on in myanmar ever since that military coup happened last february i believe it was um a lot of the demonstrators after that coup happened they began fighting the government because um i don't know maybe they just realized peaceful protest wasn't really doing anything so violence started to break out um but they made a lot of improvised weapons they didn't have a lot of um you know legitimate manufactured firearms until they started aligning themselves with these uh anti government sort of ethnic based militias that have been fighting the government for decades so now these rebels are starting to get a lot more legitimate armament but uh, certainly uh, probably a year ago, we saw a lot of improvised firearms in Myanmar. Um, the Philippines, I'm not too much familiar with. I know that improvised firearms exist to a certain extent, um, but I'm just not familiar with that case specifically. I know there's a lot of improvised firearms in Brazil, um, definitely with a lot of the uh, drug gangs going on there. Um, But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I I know there's improvised firearms, um, say like Australia as well. I think it was a couple years ago, the police found something like six improvised submachine guns during a raid. So it's uh, certainly not unheard of. Um, Second question from Slick, any input on the MQ4C and the communications it brings? So... For anybody that doesn't know, the MQ-4C is a a drone that the uh, U.S. Navy is going to be using here. So uh, I'll start off by saying that I am not an air guy by any means. I don't know a ton about UAVs. Um, If I had an area of expertise, UAVs would certainly not be it. From what I can tell, the MQ-4C sounds like it will be a great platform, assuming everything goes according to plan. Um, Right now, it looks like the Navy has two squadrons that will use them, one on each coast. The uh, stated capabilities sound great, especially if you take into account that it will work hand-in-hand with P-8 Poseidon patrol aircraft. Its additional protection and uh, ability to recon areas at a lower level will certainly add to our surveillance capabilities. Right now, it also looks like Australia will be using them and India is considering it as well. Not sure if that sale is going to go through or not. Um, I really want to highlight that because I think the MQ4 can shine in the Indo-Pacific region. We're stepping up our alliances with uh, India and Australia in particular to counter Chinese influence and militarization in the area. So we'll be better positioned to do that if ourselves and our allies have the latest in isr platforms and um again if all goes according to plan and design then the mq4c will be one of the latest isr platforms and should give us hopefully an edge over china as far as uh as far as that goes but i appreciate the questions from you both and that is all i have for you guys this week i want to thank you all for supporting this podcast of course it means a lot to me you could find this on uh, your favorite podcast apps spotify google podcast apple podcast anchor breaker overcast radio public pocket cast you could find us on twitter and instagram at analyze educate that is all one word please consider supporting us on patreon again at patreon.com slash or ko-fi.com slash and we will see you guys around